The Gut Healing Summit is here, featuring 16 leading experts sharing groundbreaking information on the gut and the microbiome. Experts including Dr. Perlmutter, Pete Evans, and a range of your favorite wellness couch hosts, including Damien Christoph, Cindy O'Meara, and Joe Whitten. Recorded in the beautiful HD, high-quality video interviews, Kale and his expert guests distill microbiome research into an actionable, comprehensive message for you to improve your health and well-being today. Go to thewellnesscouch.com forward slash gut health. That's thewellnesscouch.com forward slash gut health, and you will get free access to the Wellness Summit home study package just for signing up. wellnesscouch.com streaming wellness into your lives this is inside the champion's mind with your hosts lawrence and karen tam welcome to inside the champion's mind a show dedicated to helping you overcome mediocrity in the pursuit of being world-class in life love and legacy we're the hosts lawrence and karen tam Guys, it's uh, it's been great in the last couple of weeks. It's been uh, pouring rain here in Sydney. That's great. <laughs> it's, it's, I don't know where this weather's been coming from. It's mm-hmm. just been pouring, pouring rain. I don't even know what's going on here, but uh, it finally, hopefully, got a little bit of sunshine today. I haven't seen the sun in such a long time. It I can know. be quite depressing. You know, it can. And that was, um, I found I had a lot of time suddenly to read a book. And I decided to pick up a really happy book. <laughs> oh, very happy book. It's uh, it's such a very, very happy book. That's uh, What book did you pick up? I picked up The Last Lecture. By, is it Randy Pausch? Posh? Posh? I don't know how to say I his last name. I'm, I'm the worst person to talk about, uh, you know, pronunciation and grammar. <laughs> Why am I asking you? Okay, we'll go Randy. Right. So um, Randy was a professor, I believe. And he, Carnegie Mellon always used to do a series of lectures, and they were called The Last Lecture. Mm-hmm. And he was invited to speak. But at the time that he was invited to speak, they actually decided to rename it and to call it Journeys. So that's cool. Mm. What happened for him, though, is that he discovered he had pancreatic cancer. So he basically had 10 tumors in his liver, and they gave him about three to six months of good health. So I'm assuming it's, I think pancreatic cancer is fairly aggressive. Um, The prognosis isn't that great with it, and it's pretty quickly demise that you Mm. have. So he was faced with being offered this opportunity to speak, something he'd always wanted to do. He was a lecturer. He loved speaking to people, loved getting his message out and helping people. And then on the other hand, he's got this prognosis that you don't have many months left. Mm. Question is, did he go and do that lecture? Obviously, the answer is yes, because we have a book on it. Yeah, over 8 million copies sold worldwide. Yeah, so he-, <laughs> he did, but it... As I was reading the book, it started bringing up a lot of things for me and I imagine other people as well, because we talk about doing life, love, and legacy. I don't think we've really gone into legacy so far. Mm. What does legacy mean? Does it mean different things to different people? How do you measure it, etc.? But one of the first things I wanted to get into with him was that he had a couple of months to live. He moved his family closer to where her parents would be living so that when he did pass away, she would have the support of her family. Mm. But he wanted to do the talk. And that was really hard. And that would be hard for me as well. Hard for his wife when she knew they only had a couple of months left together. Her children, they have three young children, only had a couple of months left to spend with their dad. 
and yet he wanted to spend the time, and it would have taken a lot of time to write this lecture. He wanted to take that time to do the lecture, and that was difficult for her.、Mm. And so we talked about that because I know with you traveling a lot and speaking a lot, I kind of said to you, "Well, <gasps> what if you had two months to live? You you wouldn't go and speak, would you?"、Mm. So the question, the question, <laughs> yeah, the, the question we're throwing、mm. out there: What would you do? Yeah,、um, and. I don't. How, how do I answer this?、Um, what I actually said to her was that I totally get it. I totally get where Randy was coming from.、Uh, I don't know him, but if I was, if the roles were reversed, and if I had to be in that situation,、um, for me, I would do it. And Karen didn't take that too kindly. <laughs> I guess it's selfishness. I would. I would think if I was being cheated, or my children were being cheated of time with you.、Mm-hmm. And we're talking, say, a couple of months. Who's more important? And I think it brings that up. You start yeah, thinking、absolutely. as a value that who's more important. If you're choosing something else, we're not important to you. Yeah, and I, I totally get it. And, and I'm not suggesting this is an easy decision. I, I don't know if the, if I would change my mind if the decision was real. Yeah.、Um, however, I'm just looking at it from a point of view, of, from a hypothetical situation of what I, what I would do. And you know, the reason I gave for it was a, a couple of reasons. It's number one is about it's about me, right? So let's play play the selfish game here a little bit.、Mm-hmm. Um, and, and obviously, I'll include the family in a second. But for me, like one of the the legacy pieces I want to li- leave behind、um, is not just to you guys and the kids. Now it kind of sounds weird as I say it out loud,、mm-hmm. but it's also about my one of my legacy pieces that I want to leave behind is that I want to impact as many people as possible in the world, and I want to sh- that I want to make my life on Earth mattered, and so. One of the ways that I feel that I could do that, I'm kind of tearing up here at the moment. You are, you are.、Um, is that if I feel like I, in order for me to do that is to, to at least have that opportunity to share with with as many people as possible. Now technology has changed that, and you know you could you can probably just record it and everything. I get it, but the. But where my passion flows right now, like in my life in 2017, might change my mind later on. But right now, where I am at the moment is that I feel that I can deliver on that one last lecture,、mm-hmm. that one last talk,、um, best when I'm actually live in person. Well, he said something similar because he said, "This is my opportunity. I'm not going to be there to see the kids and to raise them and to tell them all the important things I want them to know about life." And his wife said, "Well, then just record yourself in the living room, and I'll show it to them." And he and he brought up two points, which is similar to what you were saying. One was that this is what he did. He was a lecturer. And he kind of he said, "Be it ego, he wanted to go out one last time and show the world what he was made of,、mm. um, and to also influence other people." The other thing too is that he said is that people don't often take on board what we're saying if they hear it directly from us. We're more likely to believe something. We're more likely to、um, stand behind something when we hear it coming from another person. Yeah. So, for example, like when I'm giving Christian compliments, I don't say I don't always say Christian. Wow, you did an amazing job. I'll say, Daddy, did you see what Christian did?、Mm. And that means so much more to Christian because it didn't come directly. He's hearing me telling this secondhand to somebody else. Therefore, it must be true.、Mm. And that was kind of his thoughts as well. His children would believe what he had to say so much more if it wasn't being said directly to him. 
to them. It yeah. was being said directly to an audience, mm. and therefore, it must be more true. Well, you know what? That we got a glimpse of that um, at, the, at the oh. at the Wellness Summit. Oh. You know, when we were at the Wellness Summit, and it's the first time you've actually heard me speak in, in probably. A long time. Probably seven, eight years. On stage. Uh, on stage, at I least. I hear you yes. every day. Yeah. <laughs> I am listening. But the, my kids, the same thing. They have never actually yeah. known. They've ne- they don't actually know what I do. And they've never seen me. Um, they see me on, on, on video and stuff, but they've never mm. really seen me really what I do. And for them, it was their first experience of going, oh, like, this is what daddy does, like, when he goes and, and does a talk. And I think that, that I remember that. like Because I, 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 when I got off that stage, Kai came up to me and goes, daddy, I'm so proud of you. Oh, that, oh, that like that was worth everything. I, I didn't care about what anybody else said. Yes. Um, I don't care about the applause and anything else. Yeah. That, that didn't bother me. But when she said that to me, man, like that was worth it. And, and to me, that was that one pinnacle moment that shifted everything for me. And I think like exactly what you said, they saw me in a different light mm. because it was in a different context, yeah. right? Cause they saw that, that, you know, that, I mean, she was actually talking about the things I actually said in my speech. And, and I think it hit home, it hits home at a totally different level. Cause you don't hear it from like, it's your dad talking to you. Yeah, you, It's someone else. It's almost like, Oh my God, I'm proud of my dad. Like it's, Oh my God, that's my dad sitting on stage. And mm. I think it, I, I creates a different environment and it's not about ego. I don't, to me, I don't think it's about ego. Maybe it is. I'm par- partially probably is about ego. And if I'm, I have to be honest with myself, but if there's something about being on stage, there's something about being in the presence and holding an audience uh, versus on a camera. Camera, you're talking to a camera, you're talking to one person, you're talking to, you don't know who's listening. You don't know, you know, like it, yeah. it's hard to in this podcast. At least I, I have a conversation with you now and, and I can see you, so which is really good. And whereas on, on a podcast, it's very difficult sometimes to really convey that message um, the way you want to, to convey it. Where it, on live on stage, you can see the reaction, whether or not like your point is landing because mm-hmm. you can see the emotion, you can feel the energy in the room. I don't know, there's something about that powerful uh, setting that uh, that allows that to happen. I'm just. I wanted to go somewhere else with it, but now you've made me think of something because not everybody is a lecturer. Not everybody mm-hmm. is up on stage, being able to have that feeling. Yeah. So, how do you see legacy playing out for other people? How I guess as a stay-at-home mom for myself, I guess my greatest impact is on my children, mm-hmm. and I would hope that would be my legacy. Seems small. Now compared to what I don't think so. Compared to what you're saying, I don't think so at all. How do other how do other people have those opportunities for legacy and impacting things? What are your thoughts on that? See, I think you know, going back to legacy, legacy is about the legacy you want to leave behind, Hmm. not like what you should be compared yourself to. I think it's it's important that we live the legacy that we want. Some people have a legacy of like you know, your legacy saying is that you want to make sure the kids are growing up, grown up, and you know they grow up to be you know decisive. Um, confident adults, yep. right? That's the same thing for me. And but, however, like there's a part of me that I know that over the years that I've tr- you know maybe trained or just been exposed to. That's what I want. Like that. That's why we differ in the answer in terms of who you would spend that last period of time because yeah. our value systems are different. And this is a really important point. This is why we actually decided to record this because to show that as close as Karen and I are, right, we value things differently. Right. And it's not right or wrong. Like you can criticize it if you want to, but if our values are exactly the same, then maybe that would work sometimes, you know, in certain families. But in our, we can't, we also need to understand that all of us, even including Christian and Kaya, our kids have different value systems. And if we impose 
my value system on you or say I impose my value system on my kids, then it's not really allowing them to live their life. And I think that's doing a disservice for them. So I think it was what is important is that there's no right legacy or wrong legacy. It's the legacy you want to leave behind. What do you want to do and leave behind? And then what's the final talk that you want to say? What do you want to say? I don't know what I'm going to say. I, I wouldn't know. I have actually thought that far ahead. But I've been that's that that hasn't been implanted in my my brain in the last few years. Um, and one of them was you know Philip McKernan was talking about he has a a, um, a talk called One Last Talk, and the One Last Talk series is really about this concept. I've never been attending one, but I, from what I hear is is that is like if you had to give one last talk, basically one last lecture, what would you talk about? It's not going to be about the strategy on Facebook and business. Yeah. It's going to be like, what's in your heart? Like, what do you want to share with everybody? Your past, your, and just unraveling of that. I think that's really powerful. And there's something about that uh, statement and yours, like to, you know, for you to, you know, to compare your legacy to my legacy, that's different. Hmm. Like you leave an amazing legacy. Like our kids, you know, I can really say this is that, you know, my, our kids are, they, they've learned so much from you, right? Partly because I'm I'm not like I'm, I'm not here some of the time, but they 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 bond, have that bond, and you made that that connection with them, and I had that connection. There's there's parts of you know how they behave onto the way you know I've taught them, but the thing is is that we're different, and I think they're going to get the best of both worlds. Right. Okay. I have another question for you. Sure. I think it may be one of those types of um, podcasts where I'm asking you questions and thoughts just to move it along from different areas because this can get quite emotional. Um, He made a statement in the book, and I'm not really sure what I think of it or how to interpret it. So I'm going to throw you under the bus and see what your thoughts are on it. He said that kids more than anything else need to know that their parents love them. Okay. Mm -hmm. I got that. I agree with that. Their parents don't have to be alive for that to happen. Okay. How do you see that? So ten words or less. <laughs> <laughs> it's a thirty-minute podcast here. Um, so, but I just want to get the context right. So, um, so I guess you wanted to, you just wanted to say that your children can know that you love them without you having to be there. Yeah, I think so. I, I, How do you I, see that? So I see them as through is 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 that legacy. I think I think it's about the legacy. It's about um, you know all the things that I've done. You know the podcasting, like the, even doing this recording, the videos I've done. Yes, are they somehow like marketing and, and promotional and sharing my ideas? But the best thing about podcasting in the last six years is that they now have a collection of things that they ever wanted to hear my voice. If they ever wanted to know who I was. I kind of like pour everything out on these podcasts in a sense. I don't, there's not much I hide from it. You know what I mean? Cause I'm trying to be as authentic as authentic, I can. Yeah. Um, and in these podcasts. And so that's why a lot of people, when they meet, you know, us, like, you know, not just me, like me, Damien or Brett or whoever, like they sort of see who we actually are and they probably know more about us than we think. <laughs> and they think that we're like, they know us so well. And, and that's the, that's the, that's what happens when you share your life. Now, do I share a hundred percent? Absolutely not. There's certain things that, you know, I like to keep private and there's certain things that, um, that are their open book. But I think that your, your kids can know that they, you, that you love them even when you're gone simply by the fact of you showing them the person that you are or mm-hmm. were, um, through other aspects. Like through, like photographs and yeah, I think, you know, the, the memories that you actually share with them, the, the times that you've actually been able to create those memories for them, they just need to remember them 
right? So memories are created. They're going to remember a whole bunch of things. You can't remember everything because your brain doesn't mm. work that way. Your brain will only remember the most emotional and uh, impactful moments for their life on how they saw it. So I think when you start to, as a parent, if you want to, you know, I'm going to assume that we haven't, I'm not passed on. I'm, I'm here. So what I do is I try to, and I think we both do is we try to create memorable moments, memorable memories for the kids to remember significant in their life to remind them like, this is what, not like say, Hey, remember this kid. Like there's remember the what I did for you, Christian. Like, you know, remember I bought you this or remember, like, it's not about that. It's about creating those moments where it's, they remember it because of something significant. So I remember I, for one of the things that Kaya and I did when we were in Carmel mm-hmm. two years ago, maybe three years ago, one of the things that I did was that I think you were spending some time with Christian and I took Kaya on a little date, if you want to call it just like literally at, oh, was that, um, um, what's his name? Ranch, right? Yeah. Um, and Clint Eastwood's ranch. And, and we walked over to the restaurant and I ordered an orange juice and we had an orange, we shared an orange juice together and we looked over the, the ranch, inside. sat outside, yeah. looked at the ranch and looked at the mountains and the hills. And it was just a special moment. It's something simple. It was just an orange juice. It was sharing <laughs> an orange juice, but she remembers that. I remember that. I so remember so clearly. And she always remembered that little daddy day, you know, is such a powerful thing for her. And I think those are the little memories they remember. It's not what the toys that you buy them. It's not about all these things that, you know, we get. It's about how they felt at that moment in time and whatever those moments. And I think if you create enough of those throughout their lifetime, you know, no matter how old and young, they will remember those. Will it fade over time? Yes, but with technology now, with video and with you know photographs and reminding yourselves of those moments, I think I believe that the children can can remember the good good parts about how their parents were and they how much they love them. That's my belief. What about you? What do you think so or not? Yeah, no, I, I think that's generally where I ended up going with that was that the memories that you build with them, the experiences that you have with them, that you hope that they would continue to remember that long after you're gone mm-hmm. and would remember that there was love there for what you felt for them as well. It was weird because after I haven't even finished this book yet, I, w- I was, I sat down one day, I got probably about three quarters of the way through it. And then I just needed to have a break from it. And then I started finding like that night I was having these dreams that I actually was dying (laughs) and that I was leaving. And I had all these messages to say to my children. So I haven't actually got back into the book again because I did that. And I was like, you know what? Sometimes when you start thinking about these things, because I don't think that we do think about it, we may be cursory, but we don't really go into a lot of depth. And I think for anybody who is actually facing this in real life, as you say, what you say you'll do now and what, what you'll say when it actually happens is two completely different things possibly. And it's, um, yeah, I don't really know. Right. And that's why I, I'm just sort of speculating. Yeah. Cause we've talked about legacy. I think a little bit too, like what you do in your business, how that can affect and impact people. And we're just talking about legacy with, with children as well. Well, I mean, let's come back to this for a question before you move on to the next point. Yeah. I think one of the things is that, um, you know, we often have, let's forget about kids for a second. Let's talk about relationships or like a, with a people. Okay. For okay. people. I think oftentimes what we, we, we often do is that we remember certain relationships with people, good or bad. You remember what you choose to remember. So for example, you might've had a really good close friend for a long period of time for years. And all of a sudden now, like, you know, you found something happened and you know, you guys, you know, moved apart or, you know, you guys spread apart a little bit. And all of a sudden, if you only remember 
typically you remember the bad things that happen, all the things that why that person, um, you know, is not suitable for you, but you never actually think about all the good things that actually did happen because it's almost like selective memory. Mm. And we choose to remember that part. But one of the things that we need to recognize is that all, every relationship, everything that we do is in balance and there's always good and bad. And what they choose to remember is, you know, if you choose to remember only the bad stuff about a, a, guy, a person or a guy or a girl, or whatever, then obviously you only remember that. But I'm sure there's a lot of good stuff too, but you just choose to ignore that part because you want to hold that person as the bad person. You know, right. they're the ones who kind of ruin the relationship, for example. And oftentimes I find a lot of people hold on to this guilt. They hold on to this guilt. They hold on to a lot of um, negativity around that, their thoughts around it. All of these things come into play. And I think that's where we go wrong is that we need to see the relationship as a whole, as that there's good and bad. You know, I'm mm, not perfect, perfect and no one's perfect. And um, you, but we need to cheat. You can mend a lot of old relationships because of that. It doesn't mean you have to be, become the best friends anymore, but like why hold that grudge against your parents or, you know, the best friends that you used to have or your ex-boyfriend or ex-girlfriend? Like why have that anger? Because it's only holding you down because I'm guaranteed, typically, the other person not even thinking about you. Mm. Right. But we hold on to that with, like, as it's such a heavy load on ourselves and it weighs us down. It doesn't, and that what stops us is actually stops us from becoming the best person or best version of yourself. And if you, if that's that old relationship that you never mended is holding you back right now, then all of a sudden now it actually stops you from creating the legacy that you desire. Cause that's not the true you. Yeah. That's deep. That's deep. We can end it here. Yep, just we're kinda... done. No. <laughs> All right, I'm going to move on. Yep, what's the next point? Bucket lists. Ooh. Bucket lists. Do you, what do you think about bucket lists? I don't have a bucket list. Uh, I know Damo uh, had a, you know, he, you know, a few years ago, he, he would pull this, you know, a hundred things he want to do. Um, I, I struggle with a hundred things, to be honest with you. I remember trying to do that a few times. I just really couldn't come up with a hundred things. Um, I was listening to a podcast. I'll let you speak in a second while you're thinking about your bucket list. I was listening to a podcast and now I can't even remember who it was. Somebody famous who's got some big company, has lots of money. Him. That's yeah. who I'm talking about. And um, I think he's in his 70s now. But what was interesting was that he said that it's important to push yourself outside your comfort zone, to do things that scare you. Hmm. And the guy said, you're 70. Like, why would you want to do this? And he said, because that's when you feel alive. That's when you feel the excitement and the passion and things. When, when things are boring and mediocre and the same thing day in, day out, that's when you start dying. That's when you stop having excitement and joy. And so what he does is every year, I think he writes about 10 or 12 things that he would like to do that would be outside his comfort zone. That would be mm -hmm. fearful for him. Throws, rips them up into little pieces of paper, throws them in a hat, and then he rolls a dice. And whatever number he gets on that dice, say it's six, he pulls out six of these pieces of paper and that's what he has to do in mm -hmm. that one year. That's a, I think that's an amazing thing. I think it's scary. Um, very, very scary. Uh, I, I challenged myself about probably seven, eight years ago where I do one thing that's scary in a year. I know. So he's doing it every... That's a lot, every, isn't it? Lot. That's a lot of things. It might be something small like... Going and speaking to a complete stranger, that might be fearful yeah. for him. No, I think, I think it's like, well, I just literally shared this with you yesterday. It was like a 24 year old, um, who was dying and, you know, he wrote a letter to say like, you have one life to live, you know, stop complaining and, yeah. you know, go out there and do it. And we all know the truth about this. That's the thing. We all know the truth that we're all going to die, but we choose not to, we choose almost to ignore it. I don't think it's choosing to ignore it. We just feel like we've got unlimited time. We do. And it's, so there'll it's be time true. later to do it. But if you know, you've only got one month to live, mm -hmm. 
are you going, you know, how are you going to spend that time? You certainly aren't going to be on Netflix. You know, you're going to be doing a lot more, being a lot more productive, connecting with people, doing whatever you could squeeze in to get the most experiences you can out of life. I think when you have limited time, for sure, like when you know there's a deadline, which unfortunately we never, none of us know. know. Um, And I'm not suggesting you live a life where you're like constantly pursuing like these death defying challenges in your life. I don't know if we can sustain that. Like, I don't know how would it. (laughs) Monetarily, you you have to go to work, you got to make the money. How, you know, you yeah, can't do this. exactly. But I think there's, there is some truth about cutting, uh, going outside your comfort zone and challenging yourself outside your comfort yeah. zone. And I, the thing is that what I, what I'm challenged by is constantly reminding myself to do that. Yeah, That's that, where I forget. I think, and that was where I wanted to go with this a bit. Cause it was funny in the summer because as we were leading up to summer, we're well past it now, but uh, summer was coming up and school was finishing for Christian. Yeah. He, he kind of in a way had a bucket list. He had three things he wanted to do and he kept reminding me. And he's like, Mom, I want to go on a set board. I want to have a water balloon fight. And gosh, and I want to go on a pedal boat. Those three things. If I can do those for summer, I'm good. Those are my three things I need to get done this summer. And I was like, wow, like how cool is that? He knows exactly what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. And if he can achieve those three things, he's good to go. And I kind of reflected on how hard is that? for us as adults, we sometimes say, I want to climb the tallest mountain in the world. I want, you know, these, some, some of these goals and dreams are really, really big. And I'm not saying you can't achieve those, but also sometimes there's something about just those little things like going to the lake or feeding some little baby chicks or helping out at an animal shelter. Yeah. It could be something very small. Like uh, a lot of times it's like the little things is, um, I'm going to constantly remind myself sometimes maybe going to a cafe and just like, smile at the waitress and then talk to the waitress. Like, you know, just because mm. like that's uncomfortable for me, you know, yeah, to do that. About that before, um, I think. And, yeah. Just that. like little things or, um, just maybe smile at every single person you walk by. Like, that, like that's kind of a weird thing that would to, to, to kind of put yourself in the challenge. But if, that, if that's uncomfortable for me, like that's something that I need to remind. It doesn't always have to be a big ticket item. Um, mm. but there are certain things that I want to do in my life. Like there's certain things that I, you know, that are sort of far off goals and you set them out and then hopefully you achieve them. But the thing is, is there's also reminding it that there has to be that strong why of you. Why does that, what does that um, thing represent for you? I think that's mm-hmm. the key. It's not about the thing. Like, so I might say, you know, I want to, I don't know, say climb Mount Everest, right? I'm not climbing. Go to base camp, say. Yeah. Like, why is that a big thing for me? Like, and if that, it doesn't drive most of most people listening to this, but there's a part of me that just feels like, I don't know why. Like, there's just, there's like that challenge of going to see something magnificent and being able to, um, some risk factor in there too, as well. I hate climbing. First of all, I hate the cold. And so I know it'll be the toughest, the toughest, one of the toughest physical challenge I've ever gone through, but there's something about it. I don't like, I'm, it's not like a, a media goal that I need to achieve right now, but sometime yeah. in my life I would like to achieve. So it. magnificent and risk involved. Darling, you're describing living with me every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to go up there and lose your toes. You're with yeah. me. There, there's no risk involved. <laughs> there is. You never know what to expect when you've got me around. <laughs> but the bucket lists are a very interesting thing. I think there's definitely some um, uh, worth worthwhile look at, you know, having a bucket list of things that you want to check off. But for me, it's like a, a yearly bucket list. It's almost like, you know, what do I want to achieve this year? What do I think's that, um, that, that will stretch me. And I have in the last few months, uh, you know, you, you know, this about me in the last few months, I've, there's something switched on. Like someone kind of mentioned certain thing to me. I'm like, you know what? That's why I've been afraid. And it's usually the, 
being afraid of something and challenging myself, you know, doing these videos, um, you know, and my challenge now is to create these videos. I don't know if it's going to take off. I don't know if it, it, does anybody even care, but it's just the whole challenge of me actually going to do it. Well, he talks about that as well. He talks about the walls, the walls that are in front of us so that we face and that those walls aren't put there to stop us there to see who really wants it. Because mm. those who really want it will climb that wall and will smash that wall yeah. and achieve what they want to do. And it's, it, I thought that reframing was quite interesting because a lot of people would be like, oh, I can't. There's a bump in the road. It's, it's too hard. I'm not, it's not meant to be. Mm. And, and him just rephrasing that, go, saying, well, who says it's not meant to be? It, this is just testing you. Mm. How badly do you want it? How, mm. you know, how deep are you going to dig to achieve that? Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. Like some people um, see obstacles as like the barrier, right? And mm. Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday is a fantastic book. When like, is it? Obstacle. Obstacle is the Way. Obstacle is the Way. It's a beautiful book. And and they talk about a lot of stories about the obstacle that, that's in front of you is the way and most likely is the direction you're supposed to go into. The thing is that most people forget though, is that they think that having an obstacle or having um, uh, uh, some sort of like some block is is the, the universe telling them that they shouldn't go there yeah. right and the other thing is they all a misconception is is that people think oftentimes is that they people who are doing these amazing things are very risky they love they love living on the edge and they, they're risk takers and because they're not so they must not be you know that's why they don't do it and that's not true people who are successful are not necessarily risk takers if anything most of them are not risk takers they're actually risk adverse which is what i found and they're actually very calculated you might be it might be risky for you but for them they've actually thought out all the risk factors are involved and they know they can pull, pull, like push it forward and that's why they actually it's very calculated. So you're saying from um, people observing from the outside what they're seeing. They're comparing they their not... risk to that risk. Yes. So for example, is when you see Richard Branson, you know, doing something amazing, say buying, you know, buying this company or, you know, like all oh, put all the money in one yeah. basket or whatever. Like we assume that he's a risk, you know, a risk taker and he may be, but I'm also suggesting a lot of people like him who do these things are actually more risk adverse then you realize they actually have calculated. They know how much they could lose and they're already calculated and factored in that they can take the hit. Mm. Right. And so oftentimes like people saying, for example, um, people, when they go, how did you guys move from Perth to Sydney? Or, you know, <laughs> how did you quit, you know, and you sell your practice and like leave practice? Like it must've been on a whim. Right, like you, you guys, you guys are so you guys are risk takers. No, we're not risk takers. Like if anything, if anybody knows me, I'm not a risk taker at all. Like it's calculated, you know. Sure, there, there was like I had to really push myself outside my comfort zone to do it. But the thing is, I'm not a risk taker by nature. But I'm actually thought it out. I'm going well. If the worst case scenario happened, this is what I would have to do. I've already thought out, and we talked about this, you know, mm -hmm. before about what I would have done if I went. Everything went to crap and I had to start from scratch to get back to the same level. I had a plan already in my head and that's the key. Most people are risk adverse and they already calculate and you just got to do the same. Well, there we go. Because you know what? We're at 30 minutes or pretty close to 30 minutes, I think, with well, legacy. We know, with legacy, it's one of the challenging things is that I think one of the summary, summary points I want to make is one is to know everybody's legacy is different. You don't have to match your legacy with anybody else's legacy. So be, you know, create the legacy that you want. Not I don't think it has to be large scale. Like you're saying large scale, there's different, to different people. What it, how do you quantify it? So it's different people. It's going to be different things for some people. It will be, you know, changing the world or changing a continent for other people. It may be just directly within their own home. 
Yeah, I think it's who cares, right? Who cares about the judgment of others? But I would say this, you know, just to challenge each person's legacy is to kind of go, could you do more? Like, what if your legacy was a bit more, right? Mm -hmm. Just for yourself, just so that you can stretch your comfort zone and going, you have a whole life to live. Like life is short and life is long at the same time. Right. It just depends on how you how you perceive it. And so that's the, the thing is, that what do you want to leave behind? Why do you matter? Why have you mattered because you lived on this world? And what can you do to create the legacy that you want to create and whatever that is? And oftentimes I think people who struggle the most with and I struggle with this a lot is what is my legacy? I don't know. I don't know what that legacy is for you. I'm sure still trying to figure out my legacy out for myself. But at the end of the day is that don't doesn't mean you should stop. Yep. Right? Just because you don't know what your legacy doesn't mean you should, oh, I won't, I will do it when I figure it out. Just do something like have one thing and pick it up, you know, go with it. And then if it's not, if it's going to be bigger, then go bigger later on. Like it doesn't, you might as well go in one direction rather than being stuck on stopping still and don't put roadblocks in your way before allowing yourself to start. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So okay. the, I guess the final question I would love to ask is for you guys is what would you do? You know, what would you do if you were Randy, if you were to have to give your last lecture, what would you do? What kind of? One is that would you go through with it? Number two is what would you actually say if you actually did? What would you? What would your highlights and what are your points? Who would you address it to? And what would you say in the last lecture? We'll leave it at that, uh, guys. This has been Inside the Champions Mind, a show dedicated to helping you overcome mediocrity in the pursuit of being world class in everything that you do in life, love, and legacy. I'm Lawrence Tam, and I'm Karen. See you on the next episode. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.